So with that in mind today, let's get ready to grow. Let's get ready to grow. We're going to go to Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse number 1. If you'd stand for the reading of God's Word, I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. I will hit upon a couple King James Version scriptures today because I like to see the difference in the words. But Hebrews 12, verse number 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord for anointed word today. Thank the word, uh, the Lord for the anointed word today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask you, Lord, today to let us hear and let us see what you want us to hear and see. God, open our ears and our eyes to do that. I ask you, Lord, to hide me behind the shadow of the cross that I may minister your word and give the words that you've given me to your people. I ask you, Lord, for this seed of the word to go down deep and take root in our hearts, Father, that it will flourish one day. I thank you for everything. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said amen. You may be seated. Hebrews 12 and 1 in the King James Version says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. The words right there, easily beset us. I want to talk about that just for a minute. The name of my sermon today is... Lay down the sin. Lay down. Everybody say that with me. Lay down the sin. Lay down the sin. All right, let's try this. I'll say it, then you say it. Lay down the sin. Okay, good. That's, that's a whole lot better. There's a train wreck, but we got back on track. We're all right. Praise the Lord. Darby translates the statement, the sin that so easily entangles us or besets us. He, 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 he uh, interpreted that as entangled us. We see in the New King James Version that it was ensnares us. But here's another translation. The words that sin which always clings to us. Always clings to us. In the King James Version, the word beset literally means to place or to wrap around. To place or to wrap around. The idea is that of a sinful propensity always surrounding us and ever present. How many lives in this world? Let's start out like I do in youth. How many are human beings in here? Sometimes I didn't get 100%. I'll just, just tell you that when I was in youth. All right. But I'd start it off that way. And, and then I'd ask them, how many live in this world? There's, it's a sinful word, world, is it not? It is a sinful world. We have to understand that we're, we're in this world. We're not of this world. The sin, the sin, lay down the sin. Have you ever had a particular article of clothing that stuck on you? I'm not talking because you was oversized. I'm, I'm talking about static clean. You ever had that? Every time I take off a certain shirt, you can hear it. It's like, like static. It's just like... It's coming off of me. I don't want to give you a visual or anything. I'm just saying that's the way it is, you know. 
I seen my dad up here preaching one day, and I kept looking at his sock, and it was bothering me so bad because his pants were about like this. It's because he had a static clean. His pants kept touching his sock, and so he kept preaching like this. And I kept, I kept wanting to just go up and pull it down for him. But static clean. Every time I take that shirt off, I can hear it, and I can feel it clean in my body. Sin does the same thing to us. It wants to hang on to us. We, need, we may, may need a little bounce. Anybody know what bounce is? Wasn't that that dryer sheet bounce? That's for static clean, right? I've never used them, but I've heard they work. Do we use them? We need to try that on my shirt. We know that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Notice this right here. The writer doesn't speak of sins, plural, but of sin singular. As a definite article, he is referring to this particular sin that is ever-present and so easily besets us or entangles us. Preach with me or we're going to be here a long time. We're doing good till it's 1124, but I can stretch this out to 3 o'clock. We don't get some amens. We're... We're getting it now. For many Christians, it's not a multitude of things that we're having problems with, that defeats us, that trips us up, that gets us entangled in that sin. It's that one particular thing. One particular thing. Here's something that I learned recently. Many trees appear to be healthy when we see them in summer. But in the winter, after their leaves have fallen off, we sometimes find a hidden underneath the lush green of the summer foliage was a parasitic plant called mistletoe. Mistletoe. We always thought mistletoe was good. I loved it when I was a teenager. Man, I was looking for the girls. I was, I was hanging out with it, right? We always thought it was good. It's parasitic. The mistletoe has been slowly sucking away at some of the tree's vitality. We as Christians sometimes have hidden sins, which like the mistletoe, will slowly take us away from our spiritual vitality. We as Christians sometimes have them hidden sins that we don't want anyone to know about. All we want people to see is our Sunday morning suit, tie, dress, hair fixed, whatever it is. We never have any problem. God's so good. How you doing? No, God's good. Never had a problem in my life. Some of us got some mistletoe. I'm just telling you. It's not always evident in times of out, outward spiritual health and fruitfulness, but we must always examine ourselves for those small, often unseen parasites of sinful habits that will sap our vitality. The sin. The sin. It's the one thing that seems to cling to us. It's the one sin that seems to be the nemesis, our arch enemy. Right? I told you, keep saying amen. I'm just, I'm just thinking this thing through. I'm just like, it, it, it's always after us. What Lex Luthor was the Superman. The Joker was the Batman. The Roadrunner to Wiley Coyote. This one particular sin is to the Christian. Sin, it's your kryptonite. 
It's what weakens your walk with Christ. It's what weakens your anointing. It's what weakens your ministry. You're thinking, I don't have a ministry. I don't have an anointing. If you've been saved, you have a ministry, you have an anointing for that ministry. Amen? Sin is what comes against you. Listen to this in the Message Bible. I don't use it very often, but it says, Hebrews 12 and 1. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Nothing clinging to us. Parasitic means exploiting the hospitality of others. And listen at that. Exploiting the hospitality of others. Not leaving once invited in. How many has ever invited somebody over and you wish they would have left early? We've all been there. It's usually my kids. I'm just like, go. They live in this environment. Let me go back to a parasitic means exploiting the hospitality of others, not leaving once invited in, living in with or on another organism. That's what sin is. That's what sin is. It may have, uh, it may have happened when you were young. You may have answered the door to drugs, to alcohol, sex, lying, hatefulness, anger, lust, and sin came in and made himself at home. We were hospitable to it. We welcomed it in. We didn't make it leave. And we deal with something that is always trying to cling with us, cling to us. Luke 20 and verse 42. And David himself said, in the book of Psalms, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Well, pastor, how in the world can this sin still be with me? How come it keeps coming against me? Why does it keep coming in? Why does it seem to cling to me all the time? Why isn't it a footstool like the Bible says to me? I got an answer. We pray that. Lord, you promised to make our footstools or our enemies our footstool. You promised to give us victory over this thing. Why haven't we seen it? Here's the problem. Here's the answer. We've made sin our friend. Sin our friend. Well, what's the word of God say? He said, the Lord said unto the Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Wait a minute. Till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Thy enemies thy footstool. He's going to make your enemies your footstool, not your friends. You get it? It's pretty simple. I got it pretty quick. So I know you're a lot smarter than I am. You're getting it right now. When we have sin in our lives and we become friends with it, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. We pray, God, what well, you said our enemies be our footstool. It's not an enemy. It's your friend. You're hanging on to it. You're hanging on to it. You like the way it makes you feel. You like the way lust feels. We like the way drinking and drugs and gossip and anger and disrespecting people makes us feel. Now, that's not a big list of things, but 
We all know what I'm talking about. The problem is we haven't seen what that sin that easily besets us wants to do to our future. We haven't seen what that sin wants to do to your ministry. We haven't seen what that sin wants to do to your marriage. We haven't seen what that sin wants to do to your finances or your health or your children's life and their eternal destination. You know what? It's just affecting me. It's not that big. I've got it hidden. My kids don't see it. They don't understand. You're leading someone to heaven or you're leading them to hell. It's black and white. It's black and white. You're leading them to heaven. There's no neutral ground. Well, I'm just a good old boy. Good old boys go to hell too. Hallelujah. When you make that sin your enemy, God says, I will then put it under your feet and give you victory. When you make that sin your enemy, God recognizes that. He's already paid the price for that sin. But when you keep going back to that same thing, letting it cling to you, leaving the door open, God realizes that's your friend and not your enemy. He said, make it your enemy, and I'll make it your footstool. 1 John 2 and 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We have to understand that sin is our enemy. Hallelujah. Sin is your enemy today. We can no longer be hospitable to it. We must stop allowing it to stay in our lives. We have to make it an enemy to get rid of it. Amen. I want to look at Samson for just a minute. Samson was used mightily by God. The Holy Spirit would come upon him and he would do great exploits for the kingdom of God. However, it starts to go downhill in Judges 16 and verse number 1. I spent a lot of this week in Judges reading these chapters. 13 and through 16, we're going to see a lot of Samson's life. It went downhill in Judges 16 and 1. Listen to what it says. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. It's a simple scripture. I looked at a lot of different translations. They're all saying the same thing. He went to see a prostitute, and he went in there to her. All right? Gaza. This is something I learned this week. Gaza is 25 miles from Samson's hometown, Zora. Gaza was Philistine headquarters where Samson was public enemy number one. You understand what, what we're looking at here? He's going into the enemy's camp. He's not taking back what the devil stole. He's going in there looking for the devil. Amen. That's a good place right there. Guess what? When Samson lived, they didn't have taxis. They didn't have buses. They didn't have Uber. Samson walked. Samson walked. He walked 25 miles into enemy territory to see a prostitute. Wow. You know, sometimes we see people do stuff like, how stupid is that? This is a great example. Samson, being a human being, someone did the math, and they said that Samson took 56,250 steps to get to that sin. Wow. Samson didn't run his life all at one time, just like you and I haven't run our life all at one time. He took 56,250 steps in the wrong direction. 
it's not too late to stop. Maybe you're like Samson. You've taken one or two steps in the wrong direction. Or maybe 2,000 steps in the wrong direction in a relationship, a habit, or with your health. But it's not too late. It's, not too, it's never too late with God. Amen? If we'll stop being friends with our enemy, God will make our enemies our footstool. I'm almost done if you want to come back. The last thing I want to look at, I want you to see this clearly. Don't allow the enemy to attach your past to your present. Your past is exactly that. It's behind you. Stop digging it up. Stop digging it up. You ever had a dog? You buried something? Maybe it was a pet and you didn't want any of the kids to find it and the dog dug it up anyway? Stop digging it up. The Bible tells us that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Don't allow him to get away with that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Tell the devil to shut up. I know I did it. But he's forgiven me. The blood's been applied. I don't let that sin attach to me anymore. I want to read this to you. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. We're in Acts chapter 28, verse 3. So we get the picture. He's got sticks. He's putting it in the fire. And all of a sudden, a viper, he's on an island where this viper is a killer. There's no cure for it. It's a killer. And it comes out and attaches himself. It didn't just snap on him. and keep. It's still hanging on. Paul's like, huh, snake. Isn't it just like the enemy to attack when we're stoking a fire? When you're in the middle of revival, fire's burning, stoking the fire, putting some more wood on there, and there's a viper in the fire, comes out at you. It's actually in the wood. I just thought that was interesting. Verse number four said, So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. What they were doing was calling his past to him. See, Paul was a murderer. Paul was a murderer. These natives didn't even know him, and they were calling him what his past was. That's not who Paul was. That's not who Paul. The enemy always tries to attach your past back on you. What the natives was saying about Paul and his past was true. Paul was a murderer, but now he was a minister. He once was a sinful man, but now he's an ambassador of Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. What the enemy meant for evil, it was turned to God's good. Amen. I love what Paul did. He shook the viper off into the fire. Let it get burned up in there. Richard, uh, Richard Hofler's book, Will Daylight Come?, Includes a story of a little boy visiting his grandparents when he was given his first slingshot. And so he went out and practiced in the woods, but he could never hit his target. He returned to Grandma's backyard, and he seen her pet duck. He thought, well, I'm going to try one more time. He loaded the slingshot, shot it, killed the duck dead. Hmm. The boy panicked. 
He took the, the, the dead duck and he hid it in the wood pile. He didn't want anybody to find it. While he was hiding the duck, he looked up and there was his sister looking at him, caught him. Her name's Sally. She's a mean old girl, I'm just telling you. Hmm. Sally had seen it all, but she said nothing. She kept quiet. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, help me with the dishes, please. Sally told her, no. Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? Then she whispered to Johnny, remember the duck. So Johnny washed the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, no, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help me make supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of, Granny. Johnny wants to do it. Again, she whispered, remember the duck. Johnny stayed home while Sally went fishing with Grandpa. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's, he couldn't stand it anymore. He decided to confess to Grandma what he had done to her pet duck. She said, I know, Johnny. She said, giving him, give him, give him a hug and telling him, I know, Johnny, I know what you did. I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing. But because I love you, I forgave you. Wow. She said, I was just wondering when you were going to stop letting Sally condemn you. When are you going to let the devil stop condemning you for your past? For that sin that easily was said. You've already taken care of that portion. The spirit of condemnation is when the voice of Satan comes to the child of God and whispers, Remember the duck? Remember what you did in your past? The enemy's trying to make a slave of you. Even though God has already forgiven you, lay down the sin. Lay down the sin. Stop being friends with it. Stop letting the, paras the parasites stay and grow. And your enemies will be your footstool. God makes this promise to his children. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. He doesn't even remember it. He forgave you and forgot about it. I hear people all the time say, well, I'll forgive them, but I won't forget it. Well, you didn't forgive them either. Just because your attitude towards it. Not because your, your memories are going to still remember stuff, but you should have a forgiving spirit. Would you stand with me? With your head bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here today and don't know the Lord, today's your day. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 said, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. God wants to save you today. God wants to save you. Jesus is calling. Christian, you know the scriptures. And you're still battling that sin that easily besets you. 
that parasite still trying to cling to us. Can I tell you today, lay it down. Lay that sin down. Stop being friends with it. Open your eyes and see the enemy of your soul and what he's trying to do to you. Father, I ask you, Lord, right now, God, these simple words today, Lord, that they will penetrate our hearts. Let us understand, Lord, what you have for us. That joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, God. God, when we have that freedom, Lord, when there's no condemnation, God, we know that's the enemy that's doing it to us. You forgive us and you forgot about it. It's what your word says. I ask today, Lord, that the anointing of the Holy Ghost fall on each and every one of us. God, that we'll come and talk to you. We'll resolve the matter with you, Father. Whether we need to be saved, Father, or whether we need to deal with the sin in our life, I ask you, Lord, to prick our hearts right now with the unctioning of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Would you find you a place to pray? Sinner, if you're here today, God is here for you. If you want to come and talk to me, I would love to lead you, love to lead you to the cross. It's where Jesus is at.